God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And, you know, we're still fighting the good fight uh, with regard to our rights. And uh, today uh, we have a big election in uh, several states. The states are Maine, Nevada, South Carolina, and North Dakota. And North Dakota and uh, Russell Fry and Arrington are going to be two uh, South Carolinian candidates that Trump supports that you should vote for in their specific districts. Uh, I know my father's district in the Merrill's Inlet area, he's voting for Fry, and uh, he tells me that everybody should vote for Fry. So that's what we're going to do. In that district, uh, the Myrtle Beach, uh, Merrill's Inlet district, but also um, uh, in uh, District 1, uh, we're going to go for Arrington over uh, Nancy Mace. So, uh, you know, we're going to put a stop to the rhinos. Uh, out in Nevada, there's a whole slew of races. Um, also in Maine and North Dakota, you have a lot of rhinos in North Dakota. You have, you know, all over the place. So, you know, the way we get it done in November is to get good candidates that we could get behind for November. Uh, And I don't think then the Democrats will stand a chance. We'll take back the House. We'll take back the Senate. And that will uh, put a halt to the damage that uh, Joe Biden is is doing. That will give us leverage and... um, the ability to coerce Biden into to stopping his destruction of America and expose the truth as best we can. You know, there was a lot of truths that came out during uh, our last president, uh, Trump. And Trump, happy birthday to Donald Trump. It's Flag Day. Happy Flag Day to America. But it's Trump's birthday today. He's 76 years old. 
And, you know, the thing is, is that what he did single-handedly to expose the, the corporate media, and I say corporate media because they're controlled like puppets by BlackRock and Vanguard and China and other influences, oligarchs, uh, they're influenced by money. And that's what keeps the doors open for these media outlets will say and do anything to advance a political agenda in America. So I'm going to read a couple of uh, of uh, tweets that um, I've been wanting to catch up on. And uh, there's some really good ones. Uh, and just just to get up to speed with some of this stuff, I mean, we've covered. We're going to be covering um, Klaus Schwab in in the days to come, if not days, maybe 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 this week, next week for sure. Um, but we have uh, an attack on our Second Amendment rights right now, um, and I think a lot of uh, conservative elected officials, whether it's Cornyn in Texas or Lindsey Graham in South Carolina, I think they're starting to feel the heat that Trump. And his wing of the conservative party is stronger than ever. And that uh, this Mickey Mousing around, toying around, tiptoeing around red flag laws is a no-go. It's a no-go. And we've made our voices very, very uh, strongly and, and heard. And I will tell you that I think that they're equivocating from that. Uh, I've seen interviews with Cornyn and uh, Lindsey Graham, and they're backpedaling now from red flag laws. And that, that's something that we were on message with last week and this week, ever since the issue came up with Matthew McConaughey. And I threw J- Justice Janine under the bus because she supported Matthew McConaughey. I said, the problem I have with Matthew McConaughey's speech is he endorsed red flag laws, which takes away due process, which basically has uh, you know anybody that could be in in charge of January sixth or believe Jesse Smollett or you know the point that I made yesterday, say Jesse Smollett's your neighbor, and all of a sudden he decides to accuse you of lynching him, you'll never get a gun, and that's all it takes is one crazy libtard to uh, ruin your life and. Make it impossible for you to get a gun. And of course, that's going to happen more than it doesn't happen. That would happen all the time. And so red flag laws, we're going to cover that today. Uh, Tucker had a little open on that. Uh, He had an interview on that. We're also going to cover uh, the January 6th committee because guess what? Um, It turns out that... uh, that, uh, Benny Thompson, uh, the guy who's heading up the committee, the guy's about dumb as a bag of rocks, uh, they have nothing. <laughs> All this charade, they have nothing. So the, the criminal referrals, they're, they're, going, they're not going to issue criminal referrals. Where have we seen this before? We've seen it with the Mueller report. We've seen it with the lies and deception surrounding uh, the Russia gate. All of these lies and deception. We, we're supposed to believe these people when it comes to COVID, 
when it comes to globalism, when it comes to social media or social credit score systems, when it comes to anything, when it comes to red flag laws, we're supposed to believe the same people that actually endorsed the masks that don't work, apparently the vaccines that don't work, the same people that endorsed uh, Zelensky, who single-handedly was the instrumental person that they used as a puppet to try to impeach the president of the United States, President Donald Trump. And then they used J6 to try to impeach Donald Trump. And they used the Russian hoax to try to impeach Donald Trump. But it was really the Zelensky thing. And when, as soon as uh, Trump mentioned the word CrowdStrike and the DNC server and Hunter Biden and Burisma, you know, the wheels came off. And it's not so much that Joe Biden is powerful. It's not. He's not. He's not powerful at all. But it's the Democratic machine that turned the wheels of government. They're powerful. Because you could be the president of the United States, you could have an agenda, and that agenda will not go through the cycles of, of, of our bureaucracy until we actually fix the cancer from within. And yes, liberalism is a disease. It's, a, it's like a cancer. And I say that they have um, spoiled their trust. We gave them trust. They spoiled their trust. They were incapable of not of of they were incapable of leaving their politics at the door when they went to work. And the same could be true for teachers. The same could be true for the injustice of some of these FBI agents and these policemen that. Uh, go after and target conservative groups. The same thing could be said about any aspect of life. Liberal bosses that fire their conservative uh, subordinates simply because they don't like their politics. I've seen it with my own eyes. Don't tell me it didn't happen. I've seen it too many times. And so long as you can't do that, if you can't run a government, if you can't have a functioning government because you got these Democrat Socialists of America embroiled and embedded to sabotage conservative leadership agenda, well, then, then there's no place for you. You should be fired on the spot. That's number one. Number two, if you can't catch them, then, de- then build a system that, that doesn't fester that or doesn't um, breed that, doesn't harvest that. So what you have to do is decentralize your government. And I think we should do that. I'm a big supporter of decentralizing our government. Maybe the Department of Agriculture goes out to Nebraska. And, and maybe the Department of Commerce goes out to Missouri and, and, and so on and so forth. The Department of Education can go someplace else. It doesn't all have to be trapped in Washington, where 95% of the voting population is Democrat. 95% of the political donations to political candidates go to Democrats. And it's this like-minded groupthink, this sheeple, these herds of losers, these herds of dummies that get these government jobs where you can't fire them. 
and somehow they think that they're entitled or they think they're a victim and that they should be entitled. Either way you slice it, it's got to stop. And the only way you fix it is to fundamentally change the structure of it. You know, a lot of people talk about term limits. I'm on the fence with that. I think there's merits to both sides of that argument. But the main thing is, because if you did away with, if you did term limits, you would have politicians turning into bureaucrats. And the bureaucrats aren't elected officials, not held accountable by the people. And therefore, they, they might be in the same desk, at same desk in the bureaucracy for 30 years milking tax dollars off of the sweat of the American worker and still doing the same kind of BS. So we got to put a stop to all of this corruption in our government. But we have um, a couple of clips. I wanted to listen to, uh, I wanted to play this Tucker Carlson clip. We also have a feature on Ray Epps that I want to play today um, because this is the other big story is who is Ray Epps? And, you know, we hear Tucker Carlson mention him quite a bit. But in any case, um, you know, I know a lot about Ray Epps. I know he's an oath keeper. Uh, He was, uh, I think he was formerly in the FBI and somehow they don't want to look into him. You know, I can't wait until we take back the House and Senate and Jim Jordan starts to open up an investigation on the J6 committee itself and all the cover-up and all the deception. You know, we, we already learned what a, what a crooked politician uh, Adam, uh, uh, Nancy Pelosi and, and Adam, well, um, oh, I'm drawing a blank on him, but uh, all those liberals in California, and they are um, lying to the American people every chance that they get. And... Uh, in any case, uh, this J6 committee is a big fat lie, just like the Russian hoax was a big fat lie. And just like Ukraine, the perfectly good Ukraine call was a big fat lie. They were all lies told to the American people for political power to get out of the way the person that actually uh, set all kinds of positive records. Right now, the stock market you know, uh, Joe Biden today is going to go to Philadelphia. He's going to speak before the AFL-CIO. And he's going to talk about how great wages are. Well, guess what? Wages don't compare at all to the rate of inflation. The stock market, the thing that is, is the benchmark for your retirement, your 401k could be a mutual index of, of uh, blue chip stocks, for example. The top 50 stocks on the Dow. So whatever the Dow index is saying is is instrumental in what your 401k is going to, dividend is going to be, and uh, your retirement fund. And when you think about that, you think, wow, even the stock market is starting to get into a bear market, which basically means that uh, it sells off 20% of its recent market highs. It's down... Almost yesterday, it almost went down below 30,000. It was almost in the 29,000 range yesterday. The futures look a little bit brighter today. People are going to be buying in value. 
But I think that the long-term impact of this market is going to go below 30000 And that would probably be attractive for a lot of uh, liquid buyers, you know, a lot of people with liquid cash that want to buy uh, stock. 29000 would be a good time to buy this at the Dow. Is that the low? I don't know. I'm not a stock market, uh, stock analyst, but I will say that it's getting crushed right now. And I think we are going to see a little bit of a collapse uh, as it already has been. You know, entering into a bear market. And and most strong, sound economic minds say we're already in a global recession. And America is heading toward a depression. And that's uh, there's a set of rules for that. How many uh, quarters in a row do you have like a, a negative GDP? We already have had those. And uh, so it's just a matter of time before we're definitively, you know, by definition, into a recession and eventually a depression. But we can't sustain this. And, you know, there are people that are making the argument out there that we're actually consuming and producing more oil than we did under the Trump years and that the price per barrel if it's say at one hundred eighteen dollars a barrel, um, which was around thirty seven dollars a barrel during Trump at the at its low, but at some point you can make the argument, oh well, you know, during Obama's years it was one hundred eighteen dollars a barrel, and yet gas was only three dollars and seventy cents a a gallon, and you say, well, why is it that it's one hundred eighteen dollars when it's one hundred eighteen dollars a barrel today? Why is it $5 a gallon? Why? And the answer to that question is speculation, speculators. So the speculators are speculating that the market is going to go worse, not better, and that you need to get your profits while you can because of the lease agreements that have been zapped, basically been deleted. So... The big difference when a liberal will tell you, ah, you know, I'm not seeing that. I'm, I'm seeing the same amount of oil consumption. I'm seeing, seeing the same amount of oil production. Uh, I'm seeing um, uh, the price per barrel no different than during the Obama years. This is just all about Putin and this is all about greed and this is all about COVID. No, what it is is yeah, it probably would be at $118 a barrel. It probably would be something in the neighborhood of of $3.70 as opposed to $5 and a quarter or something like that, right? It would be, except for the fact that oil companies are speculating on a gloomier future. And the reason why they are is because Biden decided to not renew leases in the Gulf, not renew leases in the AMWAR, in Alaska, and, and to uh, halt production on the Keystone Pipeline development. So when he did all that, the speculators, the speculators automatically got involved and priced oil to where they thought it should be. And it's not about greed, it's about business, and it's about economics. That's number one. But um, number two... Uh, there's also inflation. So the inflation is also a differing uh, impact 
on oil pricing because people are being given people are being given money. Uh, they're being given money, and they're being injected cash into the economy, devaluing the money. So because of inflation devaluing the money, uh, that's another reason why it is that $118 a barrel is now $5 plus rather than $3 and something to where it was under Obama. That's probably the clearest benchmark of inflation. So when liberals make these arguments, you should know those things that I just said. All right, so we're going to go ahead and um, play. We are going to play uh, Tucker Carlson. It's pretty good, um, pretty good uh, uh, position he makes on on uh, red flag laws. Something that I think is absolutely a deal breaker, and something to where if you want to write your congressman, you have a conservative congressman thinking about, um, you know, a compromise on gun legislation or gun safety or whatever you want to call it, I say don't give an inch. That's number one. Don't give them an inch. They'll take a mile. They're chipping away, chip, chip, chip at your rights, your Second Amendment rights. And, red, of course, red flag laws is a, just a joke. And you should never, ever, ever agree to red flag laws. But we're going to go ahead and take a listen to uh, uh, Tucker Carlson make that point very articulately on television talk about something called red flag laws the government they informed us could actually end mass shootings tomorrow simply by taking the guns away from mass shooters before they commit mass shootings it's not complicated in fact it's such an obvious solution that you had to wonder why we weren't already doing that who does want to prevent mass shootings well only the gun lobby everybody else cares about children So a lot of Americans, not surprisingly, now say they want red flag laws. And why wouldn't they? Like supporting Black Lives Matter or fighting climate change or getting the COVID shot or standing with the brave people of Ukraine. One thing about the uh, Black Lives Matter that I forgot to mention in my open is Germany, uh, University of Pennsylvania, uh, our German ambassador, our United States ambassador to Germany is Amy Gutman the former president of Penn University. And she has decided in a letter to put the Black Black Lives Matter flag up from June 17th to June 21st or something like that in honor of, um, of uh, Juneteenth Day or something like that, uh, which I think is absolutely absurd, you know. Uh, just it's absolutely ridiculous that she would put a Marxist terrorist group like Black Lives Matter atop the flag of the U.S. embassy in Germany. It's nothing but a fundraising Marxist group that actually hates police and law enforcement and hates America. That's Black Lives Matter, basically a bunch of liberal Marxist black people that are racists against white people, and they're going to put that flag on top of the embassy. Uh, shame on Amy Gutman. What a, what a moron she has to be to be able to make that decision. But that's exactly what America, how, how America is being represented today 
by a bunch of racist liberals like Amy Gutman. All right. So that's, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter. When he mentions Black Lives Matter, I forgot to mention that. That's new news that we're going to go ahead and take a listen again. A lot of Americans, not surprisingly, now say they want red flag laws. And why wouldn't they? Like supporting Black Lives Matter or fighting climate change or getting the COVID shot or standing with the brave people of Ukraine. Red flag laws seem like one of those ideas that no decent person could possibly oppose. You want crazy people to have guns? Of course you don't. Who would? So naturally you're for red flag laws. And in fact, we may soon get red flag laws across the country. So what would that mean if we do? Well, two things you should know. First, red flag laws will not end mass shootings, but red flag laws will end due process. Due process is a simple concept, but it's the key to everything that is good about America. In our system of justice, citizens cannot be punished without first being charged with a crime. Politicians cannot just decide to hurt you, throw you in handcuffs, lock you in jail, seize your property, simply because they don't like how you think or how you vote. No. Before they punish you, they have to go through a formal process in which they describe which specific law you broke and exactly how you broke it. They have to prove it. For serious crimes with big penalties, the government has to convince a group of your fellow citizens first. It's called a grand jury. And this government must convince them that you deserve to be punished or they cannot proceed. None of this is new. This is the way we've done things in America for more than 200 years. And it's exactly why we have and have always had the fairest justice system in the world. People move to this country from all over the globe to benefit from it. But red flag laws will end this. Under red flag laws, the government doesn't have to prove you did anything wrong in order to strip you of your most basic rights. All that's required to punish you is a complaint, possibly even an anonymous complaint, in which somebody says you seem dangerous. Now, that complaint doesn't come from a grand jury. It can come from anyone, including someone who hates you or someone who simply doesn't like your politics. It doesn't matter because no jury will ever see it. On the basis of that unproven complaint, you lose your freedom and your ability to defend yourself and your family. Now, how could that possibly happen in this country? Well, the Supreme Court has said unequivocally that it can't happen here. A year ago, the Supreme Court ruled in a case called Caniglia versus Strong. Police in Rhode Island had seized the personal firearms of a 68-year-old man whose wife had called in a complaint against him after they had an argument. That man had committed no crime. He'd never been convicted of the crime, and he was judged by doctors to be sane. And yet the authorities took away his guns anyway. He sued under the Fourth Amendment, and the case went all the way to the Supreme Court. The result was not even close. The Supreme Court sided with the gun owner in that case in a rare 9-0 decision. That means that every justice, liberal and conservative, agreed that authorities cannot just seize your property or throw you in jail because they don't like the way you look or because someone is mad at you. So red flag laws are unconstitutional, period. We don't need to guess about that. And yet the Biden administration is pushing them anyway. Why? Because they don't care. How is Joe Biden able to ignore a Supreme Court decision from last year? Simple. He declares an emergency and does what he wants. He's done it before. The White House did the same thing with the eviction moratorium and vaccine mandates last year. It's an emergency. We don't have time for due process. So you can see why Democrats love emergencies. Nothing gives them more power more quickly. They've declared the atrocities in Uvalde and Buffalo an emergency, unlike the daily mass shootings in Baltimore and Chicago, cities they run and whose killings they therefore assiduously ignore. 
And on the base of that emergency, they can move forward with gun confiscation. So the White House now wants Congress to pass a law paying the states to enact red flag laws. And here's the amazing part. At least 10 Republican senators are backing this effort from the Biden White House. And that means this is virtually guaranteed to pass. What's their reasoning? Well, here's one of those senators, John Cornyn of Texas. You have colleagues on the other, in the other chamber who are already coming out against this before you've even put out a proposal. I'm not surprised. Some people will not want to touch this with a 10-foot pole um, because they're concerned about the politics of it. But I think this is a, a time where hopefully uh, we can transcend that um, personal political interest and do what we think will save lives. To me, that's the ultimate goal. We can do something sensible that does not undermine uh, the rights of law-abiding citizens under the Constitution to keep and bear arms. So there are two things to notice about that soundbite, which is so revealing. The first is the use of the term sensible. Now, that is a Democratic talking point approved by the DNC. It's sensible gun safety regulation. So here you have John Cornyn taking Nancy Pelosi's language. He's doing it on purpose. And then you hear him describe anyone who disagrees with him. Why would you disagree with John Cornyn? Well, according to John Cornyn, anyone who disagrees with him is, quote, concerned about the politics of red flag laws not the wisdom of red flag laws, not whether or not red flag laws are constitutional, but the grubby politics. In other words, says John Cornyn, anyone who disagrees with me is low and unethical. Now, if you're not used to hearing liberal demagoguery like that from Republicans, you should know that John Cornyn is not the only one engaging in it. He is joined in this effort by Tom Tillis of North Carolina, Roy Blunt of Missouri, Rob Portman of Ohio, Richard Burr of North Carolina, Mitt Romney, of course, of Utah, Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, Susan Collins of Maine, needless to say, Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, always on board for any bad idea, and Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania. It's particularly interesting to see Lindsey Graham on board, the person who encouraged Capitol Hill police to shoot more Trump voters, who has no problem with violence, whose life is organized around worshiping it, telling you that you can't have a gun. Now, all the senators whose names we just read, many of whom are retiring, so they're beyond the reach of voters, have the backing of the top Republican in the Senate, Mitch McConnell. So what exactly are they backing when they back red flag laws? Well, we can take Florida's experience as an example. In Florida, the police can seize guns from people who pose a, quote, significant danger based on, quote, any relevant evidence. Huh. That's it any relevant evidence. The law raises some obvious questions. And the most obvious is, if you can seize people's guns without proving that they committed a crime, why can't you imprison them without proving they committed a crime? If you can take their guns, why can't you take their homes? Why can't you empty their bank accounts? Ooh, sound paranoid? Alex Jones stuff? That just happened in Canada. So what stops it from happening here? We already know the authorities are abusing the red flag laws already on the books. Kendra Paris is a lawyer based in Florida who specializes in them. In a recent interview, she said clients who are able to hire lawyers have, quote, vastly higher odds of getting their firearms back from the government. Of course, laws like this always penalize the weakest. She said courts are taking a, quote, better safe than sorry approach to avoid political blowback, and the police are taking advantage of that. So court records show that cops in Florida often show up to the homes of citizens and present them with, quote, stipulations. If you agree in writing to surrender your firearms, you have a chance of getting them back after a year. Now, as it happens, that's a pretty tempting offer when you have armed people in your living room. But it is, and it remains, and again, we don't need to guess about it because the Supreme Court just ruled on this, 
it's unconstitutional. And it is for several reasons. It's a clear violation of the search and seizure prohibition in the Fourth Amendment, but it's also applied unfairly. And even the people who wrote our current red flag laws admit that. In New York, for example, Assemblymember Joanne Simon co-sponsored the state's red flag law. Quote, basically, it's all over the place, Simon admitted. You have places where you have one filed and other places where it's 38 filed. So how will these laws be applied? Well, of course, they will be applied along political lines, just like everything else currently is in this highly politicized country. So if you don't like someone, if you don't like what someone believes, that person will be a target for unconstitutional search and seizure. Armed authorities showing up in somebody's home and taking their personal property at gunpoint. And if you doubt that that will happen, look at this. This is the guy, the very same member of Congress who had sex with a Chinese spy, demanding that cops disarm Ben Shapiro because Ben Shapiro says things the Chinese government disagrees with. This is from Eric Swalwell. Quote, please tell me this lunatic does not own a gun. Reason number 1,578 that America needs red flag laws. Eric Swalwell wrote that. Now, what would qualify as a trigger for gun seizure in the view of Eric Swalwell under the red flag laws that he supports and now Republicans in the Senate support? Well, here's the video that Ben Shapiro made that Swalwell thinks qualifies him for a red flag law. Watch. If you come to tell me that you're going to indoctrinate my kids in particular policy and that I can't pull my kid out of the school and send my kids to a school I want to send them to, that I can't go to the church or synagogue that I want to go to. And if you make that national policy, not just California policy where I can move, but national policy, people are not going to stand for that. I now have two choices. One is to leave the country utterly. Two is to pick up a gun. Those are the only choices that you have left me. And now people on the like, oh, this is ex- how could you say stuff like that? How could you be so extreme? It's not extreme to defend the fundamental rights the Constitution was created in order to protect. These rights pre-exist government. These re- rights pre-exist government. Well, actually, our founding documents make that point, which he is merely repeating. But on the basis of effectively quoting the founding documents of the country we live in, Eric Swalwell says the police should show up at Ben Shapiro's house and take his firearms away. Does anybody, even Eric Swalwell, who is deranged, sincerely believe that Ben Shapiro is a violent threat to anyone? No, of course not. Ben Shapiro is an ideological threat, and an ideological threat is the only kind of threat people like Eric Swalwell actually care about. And you know that when you look at the laws that they're pushing and that Republicans are backing. If these laws were actually designed to fight gun crime, they would, among other things, force prosecutors to enforce existing gun laws against people who are committing all the murders. And it's not Ben Shapiro. In Los Angeles and many other cities, that's not happening. And that's why those criminals openly support the Soros-backed prosecutor, George Gascon. Watch. I told you last time that he went higher up and tried to get some did before. They uh, re-elect somebody else besides Gascon and bring back that little uh, life without parole and uh, the death penalty. Mm-hmm. We could get the manslaughter there. Manslaughter only carries 6, 9, and 12. Yeah. So that's just one tape. We could play you video, as we often do, of what's happening in our city. So what you're looking at is anarcho-tyranny. So people who are favored by the regime can do whatever they want. You vote the right way, commit whatever crimes you want. In jail for 10 minutes, you're out. Go do it again. No problem. Baltimore can happen. Mass killings on an ongoing basis for decades, and no one will say a word. But if you're disfavored by the regime, no punishment is too strong, no infraction too small. 
None of the gun legislation that John Cornyn and these other pompous buffoons who were siding with Nancy Pelosi support, none of that legislation would do anything about the core problem, which is DAs like George Gascone, who are failing to enforce existing gun laws. Gun laws that, by the way, George Gascone himself, to name one example, is breaking. A whistleblower in Gascone's office says he was fired for complaining about Gascone's habit of illegally carrying firearms aboard airplanes. So why haven't the cops red flagged George Gascone and disarmed him? Is anyone going to red flag Hunter Biden, who lied on a federal drug form? Was a drug addict carrying a, an illegally obtained weapon? No, of course not, because red flag laws aren't designed to punish the politically loyal. And that's why you get scenes like this in New Orleans, which the police do nothing about. Watch. So, hey, John Cornyn, will your legislation do anything about that? Because anybody who's okay with that or what's happening in downtown Chicago or downtown Baltimore, Gary, Indiana or Detroit, just pick a city every day of the week. Fix those things and get back to me about the AR in my closet. By the way, in New Orleans, the Soros-backed DA there, Jason Williams, isn't worried about what you just saw. Last year, his office dismissed more than 60% of violent felony cases that came to his office, most of them involving firearms. They just dismissed them. These are the people worried about gun crime. <laughs> For perspective, the previous administration dismissed only 16% of those cases. Another Soros-backed DA in Philadelphia has a similar record. In the first half of last year, Larry Krasner's office withdrew or dismissed 65% of all gun charges. Does that seem high? Well, it is, because in 2015, that figure was just 17%. New ideology, new outcome. And of course, the outcome is more dead people. But this law does nothing about that. It ignores it completely in favor of redefining you as a violent threat and giving the authorities, controlled by the Biden administration, the right to march into your house with guns drawn and disarm you. So what are they ignoring? Well, let's see. Last year in Philadelphia, we saw a record set for homicides. Already this year, more than 200 people have been shot to death in the city of Philadelphia, which is not a huge city, and it's getting smaller. On Friday, for example, a 14-year-old boy was killed in a drive-by. On Saturday, a man was shot five times in West Philadelphia. Did you see that on the news? Probably not. On Sunday, on Sunday night, a man taking care of his mother in North Philadelphia was shot in the back of the head. So if you're actually worried about gun crimes, gun atrocities, and for the record, we are, because unlike Lindsey Graham, we actually hate violence, you would do something about this and punish the people who are committing gun crimes. But no, they want to prevent you from defending your family from buying or holding guns. Why is that? Well, we don't need to guess because they're telling us. Watch what the Attorney General of the United States, and just to restate, this guy actually is the Attorney General. He's more than a craven political hack. He runs the DOJ. Watch him describe Mr. Merrick Garland the biggest threat facing this country today. In the FBI's view, the top domestic violent extremist threat comes from racially or ethnically motivated violent extremists, specifically those who advocate for the superiority of the white race. That's just a total lie, actually. And we have numbers to prove it. But you know it's a lie. There's no justification rationally for what Merrick Garland just said. It's ridiculous. It's an obvious untruth, and anyone living in a major city knows that. So why do they keep telling you that? 
Well, because nothing the Biden administration is doing and nothing that is happening in Congress right now will actually address gun violence. That's not the point, John Cornyn. The point is to allow the Democratic Party to become even more powerful. And if it feels like it, to send its armed agents to raid the homes of Ben Shapiro and other disobedient people the Democratic Party doesn't like. Well, okay, so let's just take a, a quick listen and wrap this up uh, with regard to red flag laws. Uh, let's take a listen here. Well, the first thing is these Senate Republicans need to back away from this dangerous dance with these gun-grabbing de- Democrats. This is the Attorney General Eric Schmidt from Missouri. That's the first thing that needs to happen because this is a very dangerous road uh, to go down and you'd be eviscerating two fundamental rights, a Second Amendment right and the right to due process along the way. But the red flag logs are nothing more than a green light for gun confiscation. And why in the world would we give more power to the same people who are willing to arrest folks in the name of safety in an emergency for taking their kids to a playground during COVID and locking down businesses and creating a ministry of truth, by the way, which was going to tell people what they could say and when they could say it, coordinating with the government to cancel people. And we've been told, Tucker, for years now that words are violence. Why wouldn't we believe that these folks are going to weaponize red flag laws to punish their political opponents? It's very obvious that's exactly what they're going to do. You eviscerate all these protections that we hold sacred in this country. Uh, and so we need to make sure that we this actually doesn't happen because red, red flag laws are very dangerous. I can't believe the Republicans are going along with the Democrats here. Uh, Their answer to every question is gun control. And this is not the road to go down. I mean, it's very dangerous. So nicely put. Eric Schmidt, Attorney General of the State of Missouri. I appreciate it. Well, you know, uh, the other thing is it's a dangerous world out there. And the defunding of the police is a real problem. Uh, You need guns to defend your family more than ever before. But they don't want that. They don't want you to have... um, they want to be able to seize your bank accounts just like Trudeau did. Uh, they want you to. They want to control your GoFundMe like Trudeau did. They want you to, uh, um, you know, not protest like the like they uh, made an example of the J six people, and so on and so forth. And now more than ever is a time when baby food is at a short supply. And gas prices are through the roof. They're, they're doing this stuff on purpose. They're opening the borders to terrorists and to people with COVID disease. They're opening, they're, they're infiltrating them into your uh, community. And they're doing it on purpose, folks. They're doing it on purpose. And you're not supposed to have a gun. That's what, they had a strong gun control in Syria. When an Alawite Shia, the Assad kingdom, was running the show, uh, and they were Alawite Shias, but Sunnis represented the lion's share of their population. So in order to control them, they, they needed to have gun, uh, strong gun safety laws so that the people weren't armed and couldn't overthrow the government. But this is a government worth uh, worth consideration of overthrowing at this point. This is not a government that's representative of the people. Not when you have rigged elections. They're not representing the people 
with this kind of rhetoric and this kind of nonsense, this kind of lack of due process, this kind of media, this kind of um, draconian laws, they're not even laws, as we just heard Tucker say. And this was last night. You heard the show yesterday when I named the senators. This was uh, this was actually after my show yesterday. But, you know, it's in line with what I'm saying. But uh, I just think he, uh, I, I think it's a very important topic. You know, just remember, Jesse Smollett could be your neighbor and accuse you of lynching him. And that will be the end of your right to bear arms. I wanted to listen to uh, Ted Cruz. I wanted to switch over to J6 because that committee's wrapping up. There's no criminal referral because they have nothing. They had not, They don't even have a gun. There wasn't even a weapon found on the on the on the. You compare that to the when Trump got inaugurated, and you compare the riots and what Madonna said. You know, I thought long and hard about blowing up the White House, and so on and so forth. Let's listen to this uh, soundbite from Ted Cruz questioning an FBI agent. The FBI. How many FBI agents? or confidential informants actively participated in the events of January 6th? Sir, I'm sure you can appreciate that I can't go into the specifics of sources and methods. Uh, Did any FBI agents or confidential informants actively participate in the events of January 6th? Yes or no? Sir, I can't, I can't answer that. Did any FBI agents or confidential informants commit crimes of violence on January 6th? I can't answer that, sir. Did any FBI agents or FBI informants actively encourage and incite crimes of violence on January 6th? Sir, I can't answer that. Ms. Sadburn, who is Ray Epps? I'm aware of the individual, sir. Uh, I don't have the specific background to him. Well... There are a lot of well, people who are understandably very are concerned, understandably about, Mr. Epps. concerned about Mr. Epps. On the night of January 5th, 2021, Epps wandered around the crowd that had gathered. And there's video out there of him chanting, tomorrow we need to get into the Capitol, into the Capitol. This was strange behavior, so strange that the crowd began chanting, fed, 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 fed. Ms. Sandburn, was Ray Epps a fed? Sir, I cannot answer that question. The next day. The next day. On January 6th, Mr. Epps is seen whispering to a person, and five seconds later, five seconds after he's whispering to a person, that same person begins to forcibly tear down the barricades. Did Mr. Epps urge them to tear down the barricades? Sir, Similar to the other answers, I cannot answer that. Shortly thereafter, the FBI put out a public post listing, seeking information on individuals connected with violent crimes on January 6th. Among those individuals, in the bottom there, is Mr. Epps. The FBI publicly asked for information, identifying, offering cash rewards leading to information, leading to, for information leading to the arrest. This was posted, and then, sometime later... Magically, Mr. Epps disappeared from the public posting. 
According to public records, Mr. Epps has not been charged with anything. No one's explained why a person videoed urging people to go to the Capitol, a person whose conduct was so suspect the crowd believed he was a Fed, would magically disappear from the list of people the FBI was looking at. Ms. Sanborn, a lot of Americans are concerned that the federal government deliberately encouraged illegal and violent conduct on January 6th. My question to you, and this is, a, this is not an ordinary law enforcement question, this is a question of public accountability. Did federal agents or those in service of federal agent actively encourage violent and criminal conduct on January 6th? Not to my knowledge, sir. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> Senator Leahy? I'd like to see that not to my knowledge uh, business. That, uh, so let's take a listen to this. This is um, an article over at Revolver.News, and the writer uh, – well, I'll give you his name in here in just a second. I'll, I want to play this, um, this particular clip here. It's if for people that haven't oh, seen Darren this video, B. I'm going to link it up in the show notes of this episode. But it's, it's pretty wild. There's a compilation video of all the different times he's saying we should go to the Capitol. That's where our problems are. And he's Ray like Epps. directing people to go to the Capitol. It's <laughs> it's 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 our, wild and it's brazen. Says, our enemy is the Capitol. <laughs> <laughs> so, so so this guy is doing this. Right. And it seems like he's egging on the whole thing. And there's actually in part of the video they're yelling fed, 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 because it right. seems like it's it's odd. Why would somebody be doing this? And he was a member of uh, the Oath Keepers. That's correct. Is that what he was? He was. He not just a member. I don't. I'm not aware of his current status. I think there was a kind of a falling out at some point. But at one point in his life, he was the president of the Arizona chapter of the Oath Keepers. Mm. And and then we had Stuart Rhodes was charged recently. Finally, he went like yeah. almost a whole year with nothing happening. So for you, how did you stumble on Ray Epps? And then what do you think his role was in this whole thing? Well, Ray Epps is a very, you know, he's a very interesting case. He's not the only case. And that's the thing is, you know, I encourage everyone, if you're listening to me for the first time, if you're hearing about this for the first time, go to revolver.news and go to the exclusive section and watch these pieces on Ray Epps, in particular, the second piece and take the challenge, read it. And if you don't like reading, just watch the video because the video makes the case for itself. Here's the guy, the only person in the mountains of video evidence on January 6th. We have him on the 5th, the night before, calling for this bizarre mission to go into the Capitol, going to different groups, saying our enemy is the Capitol. We need to go into the Capitol. People saying, what the hell are you talking about? Now, this wasn't just... You know, some drunk guy who had some weird idea and then he's, you know, then you never heard from him. The same guy telling everyone to go into the Capitol on the 5th was there on January 6th. He was there early in the morning. He was all around telling people after the talk, after the speech, after Trump's speech, go to the Capitol. That's where our problems are. And then sure enough. By all accounts, by, by, by all video evidence, he appears to be playing a leading orchestrating role in allowing this first and decisive breach of the Capitol grounds to occur. And that occurred at 12.53 p.m. 
that's the iconic footage now of you know people breaking down those metal fences with the with the Capitol police there literally two seconds before those fences break down Ray Epps is whispering into someone's ear that's Ryan Samsell and then the and and then you know the rest is history they go break it down so the same guy was the, the previous night saying go into the Capitol and he does it all with this cool methodical detached kind of professionalism of someone who's actually I found it incredibly impressive how comfortable he was with managing all different aspects of crowd control and you know it's just again this is a subjective thing there's a lot of you know there are a lot of other things but you watch the video and you just say you know for someone to recommend something so radical and extreme as to go and breach in the capital but to do so in such a kind of emotionally detached way, like you can understand people who get caught up in the crowd psychology and they just go wild. But here's a guy who's just totally cool, totally calm, directing people here, there, going to the Capitol. No, our problems are the Capitol, you know, rallying people around. And he's there at that initial breach site. And then to top it off, again, another circumstantial point, but I'm just giving more details and color here, is that. Here's a guy who's presumably a Trump supporter. He's wearing a Trump hat, I think, and he's from Arizona. So he flies like basically across the country for this Trump speech rally. And he doesn't even bother to attend the rally just Mm -hmm. to bring, bring the point home when this initial breach occurs, when he whispers into the guy's ear and they break down the barricades. Trump's still speaking at that point. I think that's the disconnect a lot of people have. You know, that's a that's a very good point. Um, And just just remember this too. Remember this: the people that want people the people you want to disarm are your enemies. So when the government wants to disarm you, they're not looking out for your best interest. They're looking out for their best interest. I don't know when this all. Yeah, eventually started between you know the government against the people, not for the people, but it started a long time ago. But it's culminating now into something very, very obvious. And we can thank uh, the forty-fifth president of the United States for that because he's the one that exposed all this. He's the one that enlightened us to all of this nonsense. And it's his birthday today, so wish him a happy birthday over at Truth Social. Uh, Donald Trump, Flag Day. Happy Flag Day. Happy birthday to President Trump. And with that, you're listening to The Scott Adams Show. And we'll see you ne- all next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. Me. Where I stand, the mound's getting steeper. I grab a shovel, dig the hole a little deeper. Just to bury my kids right up to there.